You are live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here. I've got Gray Williams with me today in studio. We've got an interesting program. Our show is all about the world of apps and mobile technology. Of course, AI has been a big hot topic for the past few months. ChatGPT has hit the world in a huge way. Basically, uh, an AI language model that can do everything. Yeah. can write songs, poems, essays, blog posts, create social media plans, business plans. It's, it's kind of amazing. It's not perfect, but holy smokes. I don't even think it's particularly good. It's okay. That's pretty good. It's okay. I've used it to come up with taglines yeah. for campaigns, yeah. descriptions. Yeah. Uh, my wife is doing a brochure for her skincare line. I used it to help with the descriptions for all the products. To help, right? No, can I tell you what was great? Yeah. With a brochure, like a, a little trifold brochure. She wrote out the descriptions. Yeah. But they were way too long. Of course. And so I said, ChatGPT, cut these in half. Yeah. Freaking amazing. Yeah. Because it would have taken me forever, and I don't even know what she... Yeah. It understands contextually because yeah. it has this large language model. Yeah. But it, it was it. what was interesting, it, it kept all the important things. I don't know yes. how it figured that out. Again, because it understands how these words string together. And it does know because it's done all of this. Because it knew to keep like the size yeah. and, um, you know, um, like the, the downsides. Like, you know, if you're pregnant, don't use this type of thing. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it knew to keep that stuff. Yes. Which I thought was amazing. Anyway, we're going to talk about the rights aspect of that. Do you know how these AI models work? It's data sets, right? Yes. They're input millions of pieces of data. Like for the, the text to image stuff, they're, they're scraping the internet. They're putting all these photos and stuff in so that the, the software, the AI knows how to draw a cat. Yes. With a hat. Yes. Dancing in the rain. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And same with ChatGPT. They're inputting all that information. But that information, like the pictures, come from artists yes. and people that took those photos. Data set is the word of the year for 2023. Yeah. We're calling that already. So if, can you imagine if you are an artist? Uh, I and, am. Yeah. But like, let's say Andy Warhol. Because yes. you can ask these images, uh, make a, a painting with cats in the style of Andy Warhol. Yes. And it'll do it. It's because it has those photos and images and art from Andy Warhol. So it knows what to do. So does Andy Warhol's estate get anything out of that? It does not. No. no. So there's a lot of artists and creators out there that are concerned about it. So we're going to be talking with Brian Jackson from the Infotech Research Group. Where do we go with that? And you got to stay tuned because we're also going to show how that's creeping into audiobooks and music. I don't know if you heard that David Guetta oh, yeah. song. David Guetta is a really popular pop electronic producer, producer DJ guy. Yeah. He's, he's behind a lot of the big pop songs in Thanks. the past... 10, 15 years. Anyway, he did a demo of a song where he used AI to create Eminem's voice. Eminem is a popular rap artist. And dude, it is incredible. It's past uncanny. It's Kenny. It's, it's, uh, that's it Eminem. sounds like Eminem, yeah. the artist. So where do we go from there? Like, I, I want you to make me a song. Uh, here's the lyrics that sound like Celine Dion. Right. So... Does Celine Dion get anything out of that? Not yet. Exposure. Yeah. So, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's kind of scary, right? It is. So we're, we're going to dive into that. We're going to play that um, that David Guetta song as well. Are we playing the song or did we have an AI write a song that sounds like that song? Well, David Guetta's version. <laughs> I think even a Drake song we're going to play. Yeah, fair. Just to... I mean, to... Nickelback's been doing this for years. So. <laughs> 
I like Nickelback. I know. Everyone hates them. Not everyone, but a lot. There's I love a lot their of, song. There's a lot of hate. Oh, shut up. <laughs> shut up. They're good. They're Canadian. You should support them. I do support them. I just, I, I have to poke fun where I can. We're going to talk about voice assistants as well. Yeah. Are we falling out of love with them? Uh, was I ever in love? I think a lot of people are concerned about privacy. Uh-huh. But you can't discount the convenience factor. For sure. I use Siri all the time. Do you? Yeah. I try. I, I do all the time to ask it stuff. Yeah. Especially when my parents are over because my mom always has a million questions about how old was Raquel Welch when she <laughs> passed away. You know Me what I mean? Like, and thank God for Siri. Yes. Or Google. But where's the return for these guys? You yeah. know what I mean? Like Amazon has spent billions of building up Alexa. Sorry, I know I set off everyone's <laughs> um, speaker there. But are they making any money? Like, what's their end game? They just fired 7,000 people, so... 2,000 from the services side, mm-hmm. where the voice assistants yeah. are. So we're going we're gonna to dive in, into that. Uh, let's talk about some of the news. I don't know if you saw this TikTok challenge. Mm. And it just... I didn't even know about it. Okay. It's called the, the Kia Challenge. Okay. So, apparently, Kia... Uh, made by Hyundai mm-hmm. and some Hyundais, a lot of Hyundais, between 2015 and 2019, I think it's drifted into 2020, a lot of the models, they don't have built-in immobilizers. Oh. So uh, there's this TikTok challenge, um, I think started by the Kia boys, of course, boys with a Z, right. showing people how to break in to these cars with different tips and tricks, USB cables, without having the, the key. Okay. And so this has led to literally thousands, tens of thousands of car thefts in the okay. U.S. And sadly, uh, numerous accidents and I think eight fatalities. Oh, my God. Yeah. And this is on TikTok. It's, a, it's the Kia TikTok challenge. <sighs> Bite dance, you're killing me. Right, eight like eight other people apparently. It's horrendous. So, uh, Hyundai, I think at first, basically was selling to consumers a kit. I think it was one hundred thirty bucks U.S. Oh, you're giving that away for free. But anyway, <laughs> so it started off with that. But now I think they have a bit of a PR issue there. Disaster, nightmare, absolute catastrophe. So yeah. now they're doing a free software update. I think you have to take the cars into a dealership. So oh, no. you'll want to look this up. If you've got a Kia or a Hyundai between 2015 and 2019. And it's still in your driveway. Yes. And if it's still in your driveway, look it up and see if there's something you need to do. Like go to the dealership to get this update. Um, apparently this update will fix some of the problem. So essentially, once you've locked the door in your car, um, it kind of immobilizes the ignition. Kind of. So if you want to start the car, you actually will have to put the key in the ignition. I guess what this hack did was allow you to start the car without having a key in the ignition. Ah, like an absolute plebeian. Like, are you kidding me? And I, I don't know, like, why... Why wouldn't they put, I know it comes down to money. Like why wouldn't you put an immobilizer in all these cars like every other manufacturer? Can we t- take one second here to just talk about car software and how terrible it is in trying to get it updated? Oh, it's stupid. I, dr- I drive a Mini Countryman, a 2017, and yeah. it is the most arduous thing. Every time I bring it in, there's some little update because the back gate or something doesn't quite work the way that it should. Why can't that be done over the air on my car securely, one, and two, 
because they didn't build it in. Why right? is it the worst software on the planet? The entertainment software in these things is horrific. I know. This is why CarPlay is a thing. So that's why I love my Tesla because it's got the built-in cellular connectivity. Right. They have any issue, there's a software update. Security issue, software update. Some new fun features, software update over the air. Yeah. Yep. Like through the internet. I don't have to go to the Tesla dealership. It just does it. So that's, I think, a problem with a lot of these these companies. Okay, I want to talk about our contest. We are giving away a Samsung Galaxy S22 smartphone and a $500 gift card for your favorite Canadian charity, courtesy of the Telus Friendly Future Foundation. We have a secret word, Gray. Mm -hmm. If you want extra entries, I do. You got to listen to the show today because right. we're going to tell you a secret word. And if you want to enter and find other ways to get more entries, www.getconnectedmedia.com. When we come back, it's all about artificial intelligence and who owns the right to the content. You're listening to the App Show here on the Course Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with the program. Mike Agarbo here. Got our good friend Brian Jackson on the line from the Infotech Research Group. We're talking uh, AI again, and this is just uh, an ongoing developing story as we, I guess, go headfirst locomotive speeds into this brave new AI world. We've heard a lot about ChatGPT, AI uh, image engines uh, like uh, midjourney.io and Discord. Uh, there's all sorts of new AI tools around uh, music now as well, which we'll uh, hear a little bit uh, about uh, shortly. But Brian, I wanted to talk about some of the, the implications of uh, using these tools and where the data is coming from to actually make these images or generate a lot of this, uh, these texts or, or stories. Yeah, Mike, you're, you're right. It's a whole new challenge that society is having to come to grips with. And in fact, the court system, I think, is going to come to grips with it this year in many places. As judges are asked, uh, how can we train AI and how can we use content from creators to train the AI that's now doing things that it was never doing before, like generating images, uh, creating audiobooks, um, creating new music? or even possibly uh, writing new content for us. And this is a question that we've never had to really work through before, right? Um, obviously, I can't steal your radio show, right, or a recording of it, and then go and pass it off as my own, or write, print out the transcripts and sell it as a book because of copyright and how it protects your intellectual property. But what if I took your podcast content or your radio show content and I ran it through an algorithm and trained that algorithm to sound like Mike's voice and talk about things that uh, Mike talks about or imitate you if I typed into scripts. Is that okay? And that's really the gray area that we're operating in. And so many of these services have tried to launch into this gray area without maybe collecting the consent that they should have created uh, with all the artists and the people involved in creating this work. It's scary. And just for the listeners, uh, the AI works or AI, artificial intelligence, machine learning works on learning massive data sets. Uh, that's what's happening with chat GPT. That's what's happening with these image engines uh, as well. The, uh, the humans, and I guess with the help of the computers are, are basically absorbing, inputting massive amounts of data on the image side. For example, it's millions of images that they can scrape off the internet or wherever. And that's how they're 
making these AI tools smarter and smarter. And so, you know, to your point, uh, Brian, you know, if I want to make, uh, you know, some photos or images uh, kind of in the style of Andy Warhol, for example, because it's kind of sucked all that information, it can make some pretty good likenesses uh, of his style of work. And to your point, you know, where do we draw the line on, on copyrighted work? When you were like saying with my radio show, that, that is a real reality now. There are tools that can mimic my voice. There are tools that can write an entire radio show that the voice tools can then basically output. Yeah, let's dive into that image example for a moment there because there's an artist in the U.S. called Sarah Anderson. Uh, she's the creator of Sarah Scribbles, and she has a very unique sort of line style of cartoon drawing that people would recognize on the web and i think a, a lot of her comics get shared it's very recognizable uh, when you see it on social media but she is involved in a lawsuit against stability ai because what she realized after a fan sent her a comic that they made by typing her name into one of these image generating tools is that all of her images have been used to train the AI models, um, you know, her images along with many other creators. But is it fair that anyone could now go and imitate her style? And does that devalue the type of work that she's doing? And does it, in fact, infringe upon the type of voice that she wants to have and the type of, type of creative brand that she wants to create? And you think about the risks of this, right, Mike? Like, it's one thing for fan art to be generated with an artist's work, and maybe they wouldn't mind that so much. But what if somebody with sort of an ulterior motive comes in and hijacks that style of drawing using AI to spread hate messages or political messages that the author doesn't agree with? And now they have to work actively to separate themselves from these other cartoons uh, created by other people that they have nothing to do with, but it looks exactly like their work. So you can see how this quickly becomes very problematic. And the whole issue is they never gave their consent to be involved in this type of training. Well, it's a good point, Brian. Uh, the The artist you mentioned, uh, the fact that the AI even knows how to draw in her style is kind of an indication that somehow they've inputted her drawings, her work into yeah. the, the machine, right? Absolutely. Yeah, because they basically this data set just took a huge scrape of like the Internet, uh, all all the trillion terabytes of it and uh, trained the AI on it, which is why it's so powerful and so good at doing what it does and creating new images, because it was able to use so much data to create um, this sort of knowledge of how how do you how do you draw things and how are words related to the images that people expect to see. So, oh God, gee, it's a Pandora's box, Brian. I can see for like imagery and, and video because it's so visual. You could kind of tell where it got its data from. You know what I mean? Like if I asked it to uh, make me some Baby Yodas and, and Darth Vader uh, photos, like, you know, it scraped that stuff, right? Because it's very visual. But what if I asked, uh, you know, a, a tool like ChatGPT to write me a novel in the style of Stephen King? Like, do, do you see how that becomes a little more difficult? Yeah, and what we've never seen protected previously is copying of styles, right? So I, as a person, could actually write a novel and say that I did it in the style of Stephen King, and I'm a fan, and uh, I I like that author. It's my favorite author, so I'm going to imitate him and release a book in that style. And you can't protect 
style in copyright. But what these um, creators are actually saying is not that they're trying to protect their style. They're saying that they're trying to protect fair use of their work and that machine learning doesn't count as fair use, that this is a new type of activity that we haven't really had before in society. But when you consider it, we have commercial entities that are trying to profit from your work. And the way that they're doing it is by basically putting it through a big computer and processing it with some math and then saying that they're not infringing on your copyright. And is that really fair? I just wonder in the future, as these these tools become smarter and smarter. Like what if I hired someone uh, to do uh, like the logo and branding for my company, or maybe I'm, let's go with a, a film. Sorry. Uh, you know, I want you to come up with kind of a, a look and feel for uh, you know, the characters. And I, I hire this uh, artist, uh, you know, for a week to, you know, punch a few things out and then like, okay, fire that person. And then, input that data to get the AI to basically render out and create the rest of the images I need or characters I need based on that initial kind of input. Yeah. You can imagine that this is a scenario that could feasibly happen. And in fact, there was Netflix Japan. They were tweeting about a film uh, about there's some sort of animated film about a dog and they were showing off the fact that they used uh, generative AI to make some of the background images. And they said, we didn't have any artists available to do this at the time. So we just used generative AI to do it. And they got backlash to that online because people on Twitter are saying to them, you know what, I know some artists that are more than available, willing and available for you to hire them to do this work. So why are you saying that uh, you couldn't find any artists? You had to use AI. Uh, So people are already having this sense that it's not really fair to give up the work that we would expect human creators to have to um, and replace that with AI. But what I would say is how can we find the middle ground there, right? How can we have people that are, actively working to create uh, the brand, the feel uh, that is going to go into a film, right? Or a show or any sort of work that you're talking about. And yes, they're responsible for it, right? But maybe they can include AI tools in augmenting their capabilities to do that. Because when Photoshop came along, it's not like we said, well, you can't use Photoshop to help you create this. You have to go and draw out everything that we're going to use in this film using um, pen and paper or paint, right? Of course, we allow them to use digital tools. And really, this is just an evolution of digital tools that can help them get up, even get more scale and speed in what they're doing. We're talking with our good friend Brian Jackson over at the Infotech Research Group about kind of the uh, the darker side coming uh, in determining you know, what are the rights for creators when it comes to AI-generated content based on their work? Uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to then dive into things like audiobooks and even music and where that's going. But first, don't forget to hit our contest page, www.getconnectedmedia.com, courtesy of TELUS and the Friendly Future Foundation, giving away a Samsung Galaxy S22 phone worth about 1000 bucks and a $500 charity gift card that you can give to your favorite Canadian charity. Again, www.getconnectedmedia.com. Back after this. You are back with The App Show. Mike Agarbo here. We've got a good friend, Brian Jackson, on the line from Toronto. He's part of the Infotech Research Group. We've been talking about 
artificial intelligence, these new uh, generative AI tools that can create images, texts, even music and audiobooks uh, now. And kind of the uh, the trickier side, who owns the rights to the the data sets and the images and and content that's put into these tools to make them work. I want to talk music uh, now, Brian, and I just want to play a clip here. This is from David Guetta. He's a very famous uh, DJ, electronic DJ, that's made a lot of hit songs. And uh, this is uh, a song that he did using AI to recreate Eminem's voice and tone. Just listen in. This is the future rave sound. I'm getting lost in an underground. This is the future rave sound. I'm getting lost in an underground. So for the listeners that have or do listen to Eminem, and you have yourself, Brian, that sounds eerily like Eminem singing. Yeah, if you played that clip for me and told me, hey, here's Eminem's new track, I would buy it. So again, he completely created that, obviously using samples of Eminem's voice and integrated that into a song he uh, he made. He's gotten a lot of flack online about it, uh, Brian. A lot of people saying, oh my God, I can't believe it. That was amazing. And a lot of other folks, not very uh, happy about it, actually criticizing him for even doing it. He has come out and said that he's not going to release that song on a record or, or, or album. It was kind of more of a, a display of where technology is going. Yeah, I mean, you can imagine the people that are getting upset with this. Um, one person saying that it's handcuffing creativity and i guess in a way they're looking at this and saying um we're not going to be creative anymore if we're just recycling the sounds of other artists and you know we're asking ai to recreate uh what's existed before uh, we're sort of limiting what new things what new sounds we might want to create but david here he's saying no ai is the new instrument we're going to use this to create a new type of music and it'll be like this new tool that we can cre use to create a different type of sound and maybe um, a new type of taste that will enhance the music that creators are putting out. So I got to ask your thoughts on this and by no means are you or I legal experts. You know, if you sample someone's song, like Eminem's, one of his existing songs, there's all sorts of rights uh, and royalty issues around that. But what if you completely recreate someone's voice? Like, can you copyright your voice? I mean, it's this is quite the question, right? Because you think about what did it take to get Eminem's voice on that track? And what it took was some sort of AI model to be trained on a lot of data of Eminem singing. So the question is, can we take Eminem's tracks and did the computer programmer that had was training this model, did, did they have the right to take Eminem's voice and all of his music and feed it through their algorithm so they could ge then generate new content that sounds like it comes from him? And, you know, what you, know, you want to think through, should Eminem give his consent to do something like that and would he want to be compensated for something like that because you can, th can think about the potential and if it was good enough you might never need that artist to sing another song because now we can just create auto create new songs from them uh in, in posterity right so um it's a really a can of worms that we've opened here i got another uh, drake song it's about a turtle in a pirate ship let's listen in 
Captain, take me out to see you, see you. Oh, inside the sea. Searching for a hidden key. Okay, not as good as Eminem. <laughs> No, I'm Uh, not buying that one. No, I'm not buying that one uh, either. But as you know, Brian, with how fast this technology is advancing, uh, it's just going to become indistinguishable from AI-generated content from the original artist. Don't you agree? Yeah, I totally agree. Um, You know, the creator of this tool, which was specifically made to generate songs that sound like Drake, say that they're unleashing musical creativity for everyone. Even people like me, Mike, that don't have a musical bone in their body and I couldn't pick up an instrument or sing you a song or even hum a few bars to save my life. But I guess I could go to this Drake website and generate a new Drake song Uh, just by typing out a few sentences or probably. But are we really being that creative if we're just using Drake's voice and automatically generated music to create a new song? And would anyone want to listen to that type of expression, I wonder? How would music streaming services like Spotify or Apple Music even police something like that? Do you know what I mean? They would... I think Spotify would love to have something like this because you think of Spotify's business model and why they even went into podcasts. It's because they don't want to pay that licensing fee for every time somebody on their service listens to a musical artist. Well, they the way music works, you have to pay that label or you have to pay that artist some fraction of the returns you're getting in exchange for playing that content. Of course, podcasts, they have a different sort of bargain right you can play a podcast as many times as you want without having to pay the creator of it in fact the creators of podcasts somehow expect don't expect any compensation for when their podcast is played back so when you think about how spotify is motivated to have listeners listen to content where they don't have to pay a musician every time you play that content you realize what they would want to do is take a musical generative AI algorithm and train it on, say, you know, all the works of the Beatles historically so that it could um, create unlimited new Beatles-sounding songs. And people that love that type of content would have a never-ending stream of new Beatles songs to listen to, and they would never have to pay a cent to the artist. So I think that they're probably going to try and explore where can we use this and how good can it get, and will people be satisfied in listening to this eventually? Let's uh, just cruise over to audiobooks for a moment here. The little... uh uh, I guess dust storm, maybe it's not a dust storm bigger than that. Um, there are some audiobook narrators that are concerned that machine learning AI will basically take over their jobs. I don't think they're wrong, Brian. Uh, it comes down to a company called Findaway. They uh, were kind of an audiobook distributor. And I guess one of the clauses in the contract there was that uh, they would be allowed to use the narrator's voice uh, as a data set for machine learning and for AI. And it looks like Apple has uh, purchased that company now. Right. Imagine this, that your life's work is to be an audiobook reader and perhaps use your voice talents for acting and reading audiobooks. And then suddenly you hear an audiobook one day that sounds like you and you're thinking, I can't remember reading this script. When did I do that gig? 
Well, he never did. It's in fact, it's new AI voice that's trained to sound like you. I mean, this is just like a black mirror type of scenario. Yet somehow it happened without these audio book readers even being aware that it was happening through some sort of licensing agreement. Although I did notice in that news today, Mike, that Apple has agreed to stop using that data set until they work out something with the union so that there's not going to be new content trained on that right now. Well, and right there, Brian, the union stepped in to stick up for the for their uh, their members uh, and, and the narrators. Basically, um, Apple has uh, said uh, that it'll include all files dating back to the beginning of the practice as well. Yeah, that's right. And this is after they launched, they just launched their book service read by AI in January. So it hasn't been around for six weeks yet. And already it's creating this controversy. And, you know, even when it first launched, people were sort of pushing back on this idea and saying, why would you create AI-generated audiobooks? Like, don't we want a person to read that so you can... Ha- it's a very personal thing when you think about just listening to an audiobook. It's like that person sitting right next to you and reading to you personally. So do I want that to come from a computer? Now, Apple says, look, we're not replacing what's all- the work that's already being done by people that are reading these audiobooks. We're just going to create audiobooks where we wouldn't have done so before. So books that aren't bestsellers, books that aren't read by as many people, because now we can do it in a less expensive way. So we can have more audiobooks that satisfy more people. So why shouldn't we do that? That's Apple's argument. God, again, uh, the horse is out of the barn on this one, Brian. I, I <laughs> There's going to be a, a lot of uh, rights issues and I think a lot of... Uh, time in court as well uh trying to figure that all out Uh, brian thanks for joining us as always yeah pleasure to talk about this with you mike thanks a lot and that was brian jackson from the infotech research group don't forget to go to our website where you have a fantastic contest giving away a samsung galaxy s22 smartphone worth about a thousand bucks and a 500 dollar gift card that you can give to your favorite Canadian charity, all thanks to the TELUS Friendly Future Foundation. If you want more info on how to get extra entries as well and to enter, getconnectedmedia.com. You're listening to The App Show. We'll be back shortly after this. You are back with The App Show. Mike Agarbo here with uh, Gray Williams. Quick shout out to the contest from the folks at TELUS Friendly Future Foundation giving away a Samsung Galaxy S22 smartphone. This thing's worth almost 1000 bucks, and $500 gift card to your friend, uh, sorry, your favorite Canadian charity. Can't be you. It's got to be a registered charity. <laughs> but I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. Right? It's very generous. Love it. Yeah. You want to enter? www.getconnectedmedia.com and there is a secret word this week. Yeah. And it's hacker. Hacker. And this is kind of a nod to Hacker Girls, which the Tellus Friendly Future Foundation has helped uh, get more girls involved with STEM, nice. education and coding, science, technology, engineering, and math. Nice. Because there's too many dudes. <laughs> so we need, we need, need to bring balance to the force. We do. Yeah. We, we need to give opportunity yeah. for this. Opening some doors. To encouragement. Yes. Yes. Okay, voice assistants. Oh, boy. There's Siri mm-hmm. from Apple. Google has Google Assistant. That's built into Android phones. Mm-hmm. And their Don't Google And their Google speakers. Yep. And Amazon Echo with... The, the A word. I'm going to say it once, and then we'll say it again. Alexa. 
Sorry, folks. Um, but what we want to talk about now, are we falling out of love? Yeah. So if you look at the numbers, Gray, this year, there'll be just as many voice assistants, over 8 billion as there are people on the planet. So they're here. Oh, yeah. But what's, what is the driving force behind them now? I know in the beginning, obviously, from a safety standpoint for phones, mm-hmm. they're great because we can use them to ask for directions, to call people. Amazon, I think their play was that make their voice assistant ubiquitous with everything, almost give away the speakers, right? I mean, because they're selling them at a loss just yeah. to get them throughout your home. And the idea, I think, was that it, it would tie you into the Amazon ecosphere. Didn't really work. That you'd use your voice to order toilet paper. Yeah. Or a chair. We're just... Or groceries. I love the idea. Have you ever used your voice to order something from Amazon? Not a damn thing. No. no I, I you, uh, would, you, would you feel comfortable with that? No. And so Amazon's actually been in this place a couple of times, right? They had the dash button. Yeah. You know, when you run out of laundry detergent, you hit the dash button. Yeah. They give you, yeah, you sell a little button that yeah. you put by your washing machine. You hit the button to get more laundry detergent. It's never felt that urgent that I needed to buy something that, that I could that, yell at something. Is it that hard to go to the website? Yes. Yeah. It's just, Do you know what I mean? I, I still want, and that's the thing for shopping. I still kind of want to see something, right? There, there was something called show, showrooming, right? Where you'd go to Best Buy and look at something and then you go buy it on Amazon. Yeah. We saw the rise of re- reverse showrooming in the last couple of years where you look at it on Amazon and then go buy it somewhere local. Because even yeah. with like next day shipping, you still kind of wanted it today. Yeah, because I could it. go to Best Buy today yes. and get it. Get it right now. So, I mean, looking at, at how I, I buy things, it is rare that I've ever looked at something and said, I know exactly what I want to buy right now, and I have the confidence in addressing my smart home or uh, voice assistant and telling it to buy that thing for me. Which brings me to my problem with voice assistants. How you talk to them. Right? I get nervous. I don't get stage fright doing anything. I get nervous talking to my voice assistant. Why? Because you know that you have to have the right syntax. Exactly, right? The right yeah. syntax, the right cadence, the right, the right volume. I, st- I stutter, I stumble. Because you know that if you don't get it right, it's not going to do what you want, whether that's to turn the lights on or play your song. You've got to be clear and it's got to be in the right order. I've called the wrong people. Yeah. I've FaceTimed the wrong people. I've got the, the, the wrong address. <laughs> like it's, it's happened over and over and over again. So like, am I falling out of love with voice assistants? I was never in love. <laughs> I, I'm kind of in hate with them just a little bit. Uh, can I tell you, I love them. I yeah. still do because... I've incorporated them into my smart home. Yeah. But I, I do have uh, voice assistant fatigue because half the things that I've used the voice assistant, like I've programmed the voice assistant to do in my home, uh, have stopped working for whatever reason. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? And I don't have the energy. <laughs> and it's not a lot, right? Like first world problems. I don't have the energy to go in and figure out what has gone wrong and set it all up again. Yeah. It's like my I've got these... Um, smart light switches throughout my home. Mm-hmm. And when I first set them up, great, it was glorious. Oh, yeah. Uh, I could use it to turn off uh, the hall light because, you know, the kids and other family members, they leave stuff on all the time. Mm-hmm. And now I don't have to get off the couch. I could just tell my voice assistant to turn them off. Or I could use it to turn the, the robot vacuum on. Yeah. And my, my favorite, my favorite, and it still works. So I, 
I would fix this. Uh, on my wife's side of the bed, she's got her nightlight. Yep. And she falls asleep without turning it off. So now I can use my voice assistant to turn it off. <laughs> it's, it's changed my life. You know what did this before? The clapper. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so here's the thing, though. I'm not in love with voice assistants now, but we're, we're talking before the show. The new search from Bing, the, the ChatGPT-enabled search. So this is what people need to know. Microsoft is in bed with ChatGPT. Yep. The open AI folks. It's a, it's that, a torrid affair. Well, they've invested $10 billion, so <laughs> they're in. <laughs> they're in. And they're building it into all the Microsoft stuff, like Bing, the search engine that no one uses. Yeah. But we'll start using because it's got ChatGPT built into it. And so the, the search results you get back, it's when you ask for something of this new search engine, you know, Bing powered by ChatGPT, um, it's conversational. You ask it like you would ask somebody. You'd like ask a human it, being. Like you'd ask a voice, like an actual assistant. I haven't tried it, have you? I have. And? The answers that you get back feel like they're coming from someone, like it understands you. This is the difference. My voice assistant doesn't understand me. I have to understand how to address it. But this thing, I feel like I could talk to. Right? Because you can keep asking follow-up questions. Yes. And the voice assistants are supposed to do that. But they they're, don't. They just, it's just not there. Because even with the follow-up questions, you've got to ask them properly. Yeah. But with ChatGPT, you don't. Yeah. You could talk like a human being. Google and A-Word and Siri, have, they have no object permanence. Right? As soon as you ask them something, that query is gone. And even though it's supposed to, they kind of lose the plot along the way. ChatGPT, Bing, it knows. It can actually hold a thread of a conversation. This, that's where I'm going to fall in love with voice assistants. If they get Siri powered by this thing, game over, right? I'm in, done. So that's the question. Like Google, mm -hmm. they've <laughs> they announced Google Bard and lost $100 million on their stock price. Because, I play Bard in d and I understand why now. Yeah, yeah, because in one of their demos, it failed horribly. <laughs> As you do. Which you, you can't have when you're... I mean, that is the hugest existential threat to Google ever now, chat GPT. Here, here's a search with a complete lack of accuracy. Yeah. Google has been very good at being accurate. This is a weird quantum strange world where it's like, eh, based on everything that everyone's saying, it might be right. So, but you look at like the Amazons mm -hmm. and Googles, they're cutting, like the layoffs are crazy. Amazon's laying off 18,000 people, 2,000 of which are from their device and services side that are the voice assistant people. Yeah. Because I don't think they've got the return there. Nope. No, because I use the Amazon voice assistant, whose name we shall not say. <laughs> uh, but I don't use it to benefit Amazon in any way. No. I use it to turn lights on and off. I use it to play music yeah. to different speakers in the house. Is the telemetry they're getting from you worth And sometimes much? I use it for the robot, like my, my robot lawnmower or my robot Roomba. I'm just going to take a with that. And, yeah, I know I'm talking to my lawnmower. <laughs> Like, what, are, what have I become, right? I love living in the future. Actually, the lawnmower works pretty good. Yeah. And for a while, I had it working. I have a smart faucet. Mm -hmm. I had it working with that for a while. Yeah. But I gave up because it stopped. Like, it, back to that syntax, you had to address the faucet in a certain way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because the faucet's from Moen. So I have to say, Amazon Voice Assistant, which name I won't say. Yes. Ask Moen to turn or to give me one cup of water at 28 degrees. As opposed to tea, Earl Grey, hot. Yeah, like, do I want to say, you know, ask Moen? No, right? Can, uh, I want to shorten that. Yes, yeah. Maybe there's a way, but I don't have the energy to figure that out. Yeah, yeah. And most normal people wouldn't. Yeah. 
But so no. I was working for a while, but it just, it only works 50% of the time because I'm not saying it properly. Yeah. Why should I have to change my behavior when these smart things are supposed to be able to understand me? This is where voice assistants are going to become relevant. With AI-driven understanding, they'll get us. We don't have to get them. That's the future. And there we are. Contest one more time. www.getconnectmedia.com. Samsung Galaxy S22. Smartphone, giving that away. It's worth a thousand bucks and a $500 gift card to your favorite Canadian charity. Thanks to the folks over at the, the Telus Friendly Future Foundation. Secret word this week. Got to write this down. Hacker. It'll get you extra entries to up your chances of winning this great prize package. And it's great. Like worth over $1,500. I want to thank everyone that helps put the program together. And Gray, thanks for coming in today. My pleasure. We'll see you again next time.